Welcome to Canoe. I'm Junior. And I'm Jordan. We're two pastors, but don't worry, we're not going to preach. Nah, we think the best conversations happen on a canoe, especially ours. So whether you're on a run, in the kitchen, or on your commute, grab a paddle, hop in the canoe. Let's navigate a river together. You do this all the time with your friends, with your coworkers, with your neighbors, with your boss. You do this all the time. This is always playing out behind the scenes in your life every single day. Negotiation River yeah. is what we're on today. And this is, you're, I'm glad you said that, Junior, because I think when you, when I automatically think of negotiation, I think of the Donald Trumps and the Bill Gates doing these multi-million dollar deals. But in reality, negotiation is something like you said, we do every day. Oh, yeah. Well, and I do think, too, part of people's success, like if you were to put all the successful people together in a canoe, I think the one thing that they're gonna you're going to find common in them is just their ability to negotiate because to negotiate is to lead. If you want to lead people, it's there's negotiation is a big part of that process. Always, parents, think about with your kids. Your kid has to agree to clean their room or get up early for school or your spouse, you have to agree on where you're going to spend Christmas this year. Yeah. Or you're, you want to ask your boss for more flexible work hours. Like, we are negotiating I all the like time. I feel like you just negotiated a pretty insane deal that I don't want to... Yeah. I want to be careful how I say this publicly, but it was a pretty wild negotiation that you were able to pull off. Listen, I don't like to brag, but this was probably one of the greatest moves I've ever done. February, my wife is pregnant. She's six, seven months pregnant. Yeah. We have two kids. And I said, I want to go on a golf trip. How do I negotiate this? She didn't kill you right on the spot. So it goes to show how great Lindsay is. Well, guess well, who's going on a golf trip next week? <laughs> Me. Oh, I negotiated it. And I'll maybe tell you some tips and tricks along the way. But it's not just me who we have along here. That's right. We got we somebody else on the canoe. A good friend, an actual crisis and hostage negotiator. That's right. Live on the podcast. Can't wait to introduce you to him. But first, we've got some. Riverview. Well, Junior, you found a book that you'd like to review. Well, I feel like this is the perfect book for Negotiation River. It's called HR Approved Ways to Tell Your Coworkers They're Stupid. <laughs> it's a book of how to tell them they're stupid. Pretty much. Approved ways. Though. 75 witty alternatives for those things you want to say at work, but you can't. And so apparently these are all HR approved. All right, so let's crack it open. Each page has like two, two scenarios. Um, it says, instead of getting fired by saying, please stop micromanaging me, maybe try. I will let you know if I need more guidance, but I have it from here. Or instead of getting fired by saying, you talk too much for someone who says so little, <laughs> maybe try. Let's focus on the task at hand. So it's, uh, I've been huh. going through this book and the reviews on it were like, this is hilarious. I gave this to all my coworkers and it's like their favorite book. I give it a two star, Jordan. Yeah. You know what? It's a little too politically correct for me. I like going back to the old days when you could just say, you know what? I, I want to fire you because I don't like the way yeah. you look. You know what? Deal with HR. <laughs> you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. Absolutely. Just go to HR's office. That's a little right. slap we on should, the hand. I, I, I agree. Live your life. One star. <laughs> we do have our crisis and hostage negotiator here with us today. And for his safety, he will remain nameless. Wait, for real? Like, you should have gave me these parameters before we came on. 
Yeah, we can't. We can't say anything. No, you could definitely say my name. It's Jeff. I'm not in any danger. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. I'm very low on the totem pole here. Wow. All right. Well, welcome our guest, Jeffrey Riggs, address 47 East Ashland. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending all the bad guys to your house now. I didn't know this. I thought it was supposed to be pretty secretive. No. It, right. Everything's public now. Well, Jeff, you are a crisis and hostage negotiator, which is really cool. I have this very glorified version of what your job in my in I my think most mind. people do because they're in a lot of like movies, TV shows. Are they pretty accurate as far as what you do versus how media portrays it? Like there's like a truck, a phone, you phone in, all that. I think media and movies make it very uh, dramatic and more dramatized oh, than sure. it is. Usually we're like a few blocks down in that a very far? safe place with like coffee and maybe some food or some popcorn. Okay. Yeah. You're not in the parking lot of the building or the driveway of the house. No, or... no. That's way too dangerous for me. Oh, okay. Interesting. <laughs> okay, so you're, you're a couple blocks away. There's a hostage. Someone wants to commit suicide and you're the person they call on the phone and you start to, and you try to talk them out. You negotiate. Yeah, we, uh, we usually call them, but yeah. Okay, so what's one of the first things you arrive on scene? What's one of the first things you try to do? So when we get called out to these things, we usually get the location and like a nature of what happened, but we don't know anything about who we're talking to or what exactly happened. So the first thing that we do is we try to talk to either people who were involved in the incident who are no longer in there or people who are family members or friends of the person who's in there and try to figure out who that person is and what happened and how we got into the situation that we're in. So there's a ton of homework and involved yeah. a lot casing of a lot of homework before we actually yeah. make a phone call so can you can you give us you can give us your name so you i'm sure you can give us some stories yeah so what 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 would be a story like what's up give us give us something you've recently done so our most recent um call out was we got called out to an apartment in the town that i work in and the adult male offender had beaten his mom pretty good mom he beat was, his mom up he beat his mom up pretty good mom was in the hospital literally black and blue hmm. but wow. but alive and conscious and when the police went there she said that he has a gun he made threats that he had a gun so he barricaded himself in the house with a gun and said if you come in here i'm gonna shoot at you and which i believe him if he beat his own mom up right yeah. what won't he do yeah so it, does it change if he's by himself first with somebody yes okay Yes. Okay. And he's by himself though at this point. He's by himself. So okay. now he's just a barricaded subject. So okay. really the only person in danger while he's in that apartment is him. Sure. So that's always a comforting feeling. Yeah. Um, so we, because it was his apartment, we knew who he was and officers had identified him before we got there. So we knew who he was. So what we did was we talked to some family members of his and we read some previous reports and through all of the homework, we realized that even though he beat up his mom, she was the only thing that really mattered to him. So we thought that she would be a sore subject. We thought we should not talk about her, not talk about what happened in terms of what he did to her today. Really, that was the best thing that we could talk about. So after talking to him on the phone for more than three hours, we weren't getting anywhere. So we actually went to the hospital that the mom was at and we had her record a video to him saying, hey, I'm okay. The police aren't going to hurt you. They just want to talk to you. Please, for my sake, come out and talk to the police so we can get this whole thing resolved. And we ended up playing that video on speakerphone for him while we were on the phone with him uh, like 
10 or 15 times. Whoa. Wow. And that's part of what led to him coming out peacefully huh. was because his mom, who was the only thing that mattered to him, wanted him to come out peacefully. So is this a negotiation tactic then that you, that you used? Yeah. So what we call is we call them hooks and triggers. So hooks is something that we can reel you in like a fishing hook, something that okay. matters to you. And a trigger is something that we want to stay away from at all costs. When we got to the scene and we heard what happened, we thought the mom would be a trigger. So we were going to stay away from her. But by talking to the family members and talking to people who were involved in the incident, we found out that she was, she was actually a hook. So that's what we wanted to use. Well, so I want to talk more about this because, yeah. you know, there's a, like I said, we, we negotiate all the time. Maybe we're negotiating with our boss about a, a raise and, or a coworker about working a weekend or whatever. We tend to negotiation come in. And I just got to lay down what I want here. But what you're saying here is like, no, 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 we don't start with that. You're getting to know who you're negotiating with. Yes. How do you do that? Is it just normal conversation? Yeah. So, uh, we never get on the phone and say, Hey, I'm Jeff. I'm with the police department. Why don't you come on out? I mean, every now and then we try that, but usually it's tell me who you are. What's your name? Tell me about yourself. What happened today? Try to understand the other person okay. before we actually start making any requests. And so do you feel like even just by asking those questions, it breaks down barriers? For sure. Um, it, it definitely gives the opportunity to let somebody feel heard and feel understood and feel like we're not making a ton of demands here right off the bat. We're trying to understand you and work with you rather than tell you what to do. See, what I love about this, Jeff, is like this is obviously like these are 10 situations and... And for most of those who are listening right now are in the, in the canoe, this is one of those situations where it's like, man, it's hard to relate because like what you do is so far different than from what we do. But what you're saying right now, it can be adapted to all the time in our lives when it comes to negotiating with a spouse or with a boss. Yeah, you know what's the, you know what's a hook and trigger of your spouse. Absolutely. And you know if, if you're in our in a negotiation, hey, these are the things my wife doesn't like so or my, my husband doesn't like, so I'm going to stay away from yeah. those things. Those would be triggers. That's right. And what I love about what Jeff is saying is like, you have to get to know the person you're negotiating with. Yes. You should not enter into negotiation with anybody until you really get to know who they are. Yeah. Because you actually have to understand what they want. And a lot of times you might think you know what they want, but you yeah. don't actually know what they really want. Until you're drilling down and getting into those, some of those questions. Right. Well, for me, I get so annoyed when people like feel like, I, when I feel like people are trying to read me and they read me totally wrong and I get frustrated. And so you're saying like, don't ever be guilty of that because you're just going to take them off more. You got to really listen, get to know them. Right. Yeah. So there was a, an, an area hospital called DCFS and said that there was a newborn just a few days old that they had said needed to come back for treatment. And the family was refusing to bring that newborn back for treatment. So DCFS goes to the house. That family does not cooperate with DCFS. DCFS calls us and says, hey, this kid needs to get to the hospital right away. Wow. So everybody in our department starts freaking out, saying, hey, we need to get doctors on the phone. We need to get attorneys on the phone. And I instead called the family and said, hey, what's going on? And they said, the baby's fine. We just don't want to go back to that hospital. So I asked them, can I just come over? We'll leave DCFS outside. Can I just come over and see the baby? And they agreed to let me do that. So me and one other guy went into the apartment and saw the baby, and the baby was in good condition as far as babies go, right? Yeah. And so I was talking to the family, and I said, what's going on? Why don't you want to bring them back? And they said, it's not that we don't want treatment for the baby, but the baby's okay right now, 
and we don't agree with some of the medical practices going on at that hospital. So we want to find a different doctor and just completely be done with that hospital. So I said, wow. so I said, okay, understood. But for today, you have to understand that this is not going to go away until that hospital clears the baby. So in talking to them, they agreed that they would drive the baby back to the hospital so that the hospital could see the baby, medically clear the baby, and then they could go their separate ways and not have further incident. But neither party, not the hospital and not the family, knew really what the other side wanted. Yeah, I think I think there's tons of takeaways in that because you had one party, you have, both parties are super emotional. You have DC DCFS who's like, "Hey, this kid's about to die or he's, you know, he needs his treatment." And then you have the family who's like, "Hey, they're trying the government's trying to infringe and get get in here with my 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 child." And so you what you're saying is if you had to kind of get in between all of the emotions and kind of minimize this and kind of really bring the situation into perspective and then figure out what what do they actually want. Right. And yeah. what's their goal of the situation? And it sounds so simple, but I think a lot of times when we want something, we can't see past what we want. I was about that's absolutely And we've right. got to be able yeah. to see what other people want in order to negotiate with them. And when other people, because a lot of times too, you, when you see what you want, you say, okay, here's the path forward. And, and you're very narrow-minded because you see a path forward. Why wouldn't you want to take it? Yeah. But when you're able to kind of look and see, okay, well, what, what do they want? Then you're actually able to see, well, hey, this is ultimately what they want, but there's three or four paths that they don't really see that could get them to the same destination. Right. And, and maybe there's a, maybe one of those paths, it's a win-win for us. That's right. And then one thing that I really learned from that one was a really good way to find out what the other side or what the other person actually wants is to ask them. Because a lot of times we don't do that. A lot of times yeah. when we're trying to negotiate with somebody or talk to somebody, we think we know what they want, but we don't actually ask them, hey, what do you really want here? Right. It's golden stuff. You're in a negotiation. Figure out those Is it hooks and triggers. Find out what they want. We got more great stuff coming up about negotiation. You're going to need this for your life. You're going to need this for today and for this week. We got more. But first, we've got some news. Junior, surprising study showed that the U.S. syphilis cases are at their highest <laughs> level since 1951. What? Dang. Syphilis is on the rise. I thought that was like gone. I didn't know that that was still around. It's oh, it's is it's, that the same as herpes? It's still alive. No, no, that's a different STD. It's okay. still an STD. I still remember. Do you remember the first time you saw? Yeah, syphilis. I went to. I was transferred about the public school when I was a. I was a junior in high school, and I'm. I was a very innocent kid, and I go into this junior in high class. school. You didn't have like you didn't get that before. No, I went to a Baptist school, and so they didn't teach about <laughs> sex at all. We couldn't even read Song of Solomon. Well, to make it worse, my teacher for the health class, she was like this four foot nine, eighty five year old woman. She wore eight pounds of makeup. Oh boy! And just all of it together was just, it was a great abstinence class, though she didn't mean it that way. You know what? I think we need to get that on video and send it, send it to the school, send it to the masses. Let's beat syphilis once and for all. That's right. Jordan for president, 2024. All right, so you got a negotiation coming up. Maybe husbands, you'd like a little bit more intimacy with your wife this week, so you're going to negotiate. Or maybe you're going to negotiate a raise from your boss, or you got to negotiate with your little kiddo about their lunch. What do you do? Well, so far we've talked about figure out those hooks and triggers. I got that right. 
you got those hooks and triggers, what can reel them in, but it also pushes them away. You got to know that stuff. Also, know what they want. Don't just go in blasting away what you want. Know what they want. Jeff, what's number three? The the biggest thing I would say is have respect for them, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah. So we were at a call out, and it was a woman came to the local police department said that she had gotten into a domestic with the father of her child who she lived with. And during the domestic, he hit her in the face and she said, you need to leave. He said, nobody's going to make me leave. And he pulls out a gun. So this guy is armed. She and the kid get out of the apartment, but this guy's armed and threatened her with a gun. Right. So naturally we get called out and we go up there. So we learn about this guy and we figure out what he's about, why he has a gun, stuff like that. And the SWAT team gets in place and they tell me, you're good to make the phone call. So I get on the phone with him and I said, hey, man, my name is Jeff. I'm here to help you. Why don't you come out and talk to us about this? And he said, no. And I said, please come out and talk to us about this. <laughs> and he said, ah, okay. Shut up. Really Your strategy and, and he came was out. just using manners? Yeah. And he came out. And he why came do you out. think that's true? You know, a lot of people are used to when they're in conversations or negotiations with people and they get heated, they're used to it not being a respectful yeah. situation or a respectful incident. So if you hit, kill them with kindness, sometimes it throws them off guard and they let uh -huh. their defenses down and they decide that they're just willing to work with you at that point. Interesting. It was really funny because at That's the end, wild. at the end afterwards, we always do a team debrief and they're like, so what'd you say to get him to come out? And I said, well, I said, please. And it, everybody <laughs> laughed, but it was, it was the truth. So next time you want to raise, boss, can I have a raise, please? <laughs> I do like the idea, though, of respect. I, uh, I just learned this a couple weeks ago. Respect, I mean, it makes sense, but respect means re to, to again. Spect is like spectacle see, to see the person again, to that they are created in the image of God and to treat them accordingly with, yep. with that respect, with, with manners. And apparently it goes a pretty long way and because you got is. a bunch of yeah. guys sniper, you know, snipers, I'm guessing out there ready to go. And you're just, you're please yeah. completely disarmed. Cause when someone doesn't feel respected, they're not going to hear anything else, right? right. They're, they don't want to work with you. If they don't feel like you sincerely care about them. Respect yeah. is a way to say, you're right. I see you yeah. and I care about you and I want to work with you. Well, and Jordan, we were talking about this in staff meeting. My dad brought this up and I thought it was brilliant. I don't know where he got this from, but we were talking about respect. And he said, you know, husbands, they want to feel respect. Wives want to be loved. You know, as far as guys, like, I don't care if Jordan loves me, but I really want Jordan to respect me. My yeah. wife would want love. It's we're just, that's how God created us. But um, often in marriages, when marriages begin to spiral, it's the husband just there. The wife doesn't show much respect toward the husband. And because the husband doesn't feel respected, he doesn't show much love to the wife. And it's this vicious then cycle where then there's just less love, less respect, less love, uh, less respect. And uh, we brought up that there are times where marriages will completely turn around because because um, a lot of times the wife will just jump in and say, I'm just going to decide to show respect, even though I don't feel it. I'm just going to yeah, show it. It totally changes the it, Yeah, it changes the old temperature in, yeah. of the, the marriage. Respect is huge. Love that point. All right, Jeff, before we go, you gave us some great points. But give us your, give us your golden nugget before we leave, your one last shot. Yeah, pressure's on. Nothing's working. 
They have the baby. They're about to snap its neck. Oh my gosh. What, do you do? what are you doing? What do you do? Well, in that case. <laughs> no, I think I think one thing that we always try to do is you have to minimize emotion because we want rational thinking to play out and rational thinking to take over. And you can't think rationally when emotions are high. If you think mm. about it, when you get into screaming matches with your spouse or with coworkers, you don't get anything accomplished. It's a few hours later when you come back to whatever you were arguing about with yeah. emotions now diminished and the tempers are cooled that now we can have a rational conversation and get things accomplished. Which is great because I think a lot of times we think the opposite. So if you have a kid and your kid's yelling and screaming, you think you have to match that and even beat that in order to kind of assert dominance over your kid. But then all of a sudden, they just get louder. And so you're saying is you have to bring down the emotions and stabilize those things. Even while they're not being in control, you stay in control and it helps put them at control? Right. So you're never going to be able to control the other person, what they're saying or how they're saying it. But you can always control you, what you're saying and how you're saying it. So when emotions are getting high, rather than trying to outmatch that person in terms of emotion or screaming, it's best to actually lower your voice, slow your rate of speaking, and that will calm the conversation down. Yeah. If you're, I mean, if you think about it, if you have ever yelled at somebody and they just said, whoa, calm down. Yeah. It, it actually, works. it actually will calm you yeah. down. So Proverbs can, says, "A uh, soft answer turns away wrath." Right. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's hard to do. Like it is so hard to transcend your emotion when you're heated, to not just go for it, and to actually like be able to transcend it in that moment. To even take a break is hard to do, but to be able to just separate ourselves from the emotion to get to the truth. Right. That's that's hard. Do you find yourself getting heated when I'm on these callouts? No, not as much because I know that I can't let myself do that, you know? Yeah. So heart rate's always elevated and emotions are always elevated, but you can't let that show through or else everything that you've worked the last two, three, four hours for just immediately goes yeah. away and you start fresh. And that same thing is true with marriages and families and coworkers too. It's like you can be, you can have such a good marriage. Um, you can be doing great with your kids or even have good working relationships and you can undo years worth of relationship by just losing it at one point. I'm glad you brought that up. That's so good. So one more time, figure out hooks and triggers, understand what is it the other person actually wants Show some respect. Put some R-E-S-P-C-T on it. And then lastly, minimize emotions so you can maximize rational thinking. Man, this is gold. That's good. And given to you free on our podcast, our canoe. From Jeff. From, from Jeff. <laughs> Not from us. From Jeff. We invited Jeff to give you something yeah. free. Jeff, for real, man. Thanks for, thanks for not only being in our canoe, but thanks for yeah. doing what you do. Yeah. I, it, to all, you and all the other officers, uh, it is a big deal. We love you. We're so thankful that you protect our communities. We or we wouldn't have communities. Yeah. So huge. huge 2024 kind of sucks to be a cop. So thank you. Appreciate it. Before we get out of this canoe, Jordan, how did you negotiate with your wife to get it? I mean, she's pregnant. You have two kids. She works and you're going golfing like for a whole week. 
Well, I I use the point that Jeff said. I fo- I found what my wife's hooks and triggers are, and my wife's trigger is money, and so I found a round trip ticket for a hundred bucks and a free place to stay. Her hook, me. Need I say more? Of course. I knew what she really wanted, which was to get away from the cold weather and the sun. I wanted to play golf, so I said, "Hey, how about you come with me? You bring a girlfriend. You lay at the beach, and me and my buddy go golf once." Or four times. <laughs> or four. And I put a little respect on it. And you know what? In one week, I'm going to be golfing while my lady sits on the beach. Look at that. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. Well, hey, thanks for Jeff for being with us. And thank you all for being with us here in the canoe. It was fun. Negotiation River is in the books. Uh, we really would love for you to like, share, All of that, reviews, those are all great. Sharing goes the furthest. So share the podcast, and we'll be with you on the next river. They have the baby. They're about to snap its neck. Oh, my gosh. What What are are we doing? What do you do?